Bienvenidos and welcome to the Familia FFP Podcast. I'm Jorge Martín and today, vámonos a donde está muy caliente, where it's really caliente. We're going to the desert, el desierto, in our Beat Writer series. And we're, we're going with, with el buen señor Jess Root. Uh, and you'll know very much why he is Je el señor. He's the site manager for Cardswire, and he's also the host for the podcast Rise, Rise Up, See Red. He's also a dual threat, being an insider for the Cardinals, and he's also a Spanish teacher for more than 20 years. So, uh, yeah, so if, we, if any Spanglish, uh, any more Spanglish than usual uh, escapes and <laughs> nos escapa, you're going to know why. So, uh, you know, so he's got not just one, but two degrees from ASU. So, uh, you know, having having worked with Andre Ethier in the side, uh, for a while there, I know the pitchfork sign. So if he does it twice, you'll know why. So, <laughs> uh, Jess, gracias for joining us on the Familia FFP podcast. Welcome. Bienvenidos, my friend. Es un placer. If, if, you, hear, if you hear me in my Spanish, you're going to hear, se, se me va a escapar un acento argentino con un, con un vocabulario mexicano después de vivir after 20 years of teaching Spanish here in Arizona. I've lived here my entire life. So the words that I hear are mostly Mexicano, but on the accent that comes out is Argentino. That's where I learned it. And I will say, whenever I've talked to someone from Argentina, their Spanish is even is probably among the fastest I have ever heard in my life. I mean, just uh, I, I really, really have to sit and listen to it. I think the Argentine and the Venezuelans uh spoke speak just venezuelans like, and they talk you know. they, it's not just fast they just don't stop talking they talk so much <laughs> <laughs> it's it's it, it is amazing it is amazing yeah and it's just it's como una metralladora. I mean, it's boom, 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 boom. and i was just like wow it's just uh you know uh, uh you know a uh, uh, my senses are just uh, uh, finished. And, and actually, I, you know, having worked in baseball for a while, I, uh, I worked with a lot of Dominicanos and also very fast Spanish. But one of the things I found is that they don't finish their sentences all the time. It's just like a lot is implied, <laughs> kind of like kind of like the southern region of, of España. So the Andalusia region, there, there's a lot of they don't like to finish their sentences either. So <laughs> uh, but Jess, I mean, it's 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 awesome to have you. You know, you've been you you started off the Cardswire uh, site back in 2016. And so, I mean, you've seen some of the some of the crazy ones. I mean, I saw the the story you wrote about how Dane Brugler uh, rated their 2018 draft as uh, one of the worst. Uh, so you had to do that, but obviously things have picked up since then. And, um, and you know, and that, and that's the, that's one thing, you know, there's uh, a couple of good drafts, obviously that the draft that brought Kyler Murray to the team, uh, is, uh, you know, uh, really starting to pay dividends, starting with numero uno, uh, you know, he was lighting the NFL on fire last year. You know, he was at 619 rushing yards mid uh, at through week 11, Two of that, two, you know, over almost 2,700 yards at that point, passing and 19 TDs. I mean, he was just lighting the world on fire from fantasy aspect. He was the number one quarterback at that time. He hurt his shoulder at that time. What did, where did you see kind of like the offense really just kind of slow down as he slowed down? Well, what ended up happening last year is this. And he actually talked about it this last week during minicamp is, Ideally for him, that what made the offense special last year was his legs. They, their rushing attack the last two years has been really good. But 
what made it really good was when Murray was able to get out and make plays with his legs. After his shoulder injury, he wasn't as willing to run. And that's where sort of the, the offense stagnated because the running back running game was not as effective and, and the passing game wasn't as good either as a result because it, it seemed like for much of the season, especially that, that middle section of the year, when a play needed to be made, it was Kyler. Um, and he put it this way is that my leg should be a luxury, not a necessity. And after the, after the shoulder injury, he tried, he made a conscious decision to put himself less in harm's way. Um, his, his shoulder injury wasn't bad, but it was enough for him to be concerned about. And I think that affected not only his decisions, but it also affected Cliff Kingsbury's play calling. Things changed on how he approached the offense after that. And entering this year is going to be interesting to see because it, it really last year, he unlocked the running part of his game. I felt like his rookie season, it was almost as if he was purposely not running. Like it was like he was making a conscious effort not to run. And I thought that that rookie year would have been better off had he unlocked that a little bit more. But he's always been a pass first guy. And then like he's he, he's a quarterback. So he wants to make plays with his arm. And when he they unlocked that his second year was really how things were special offensively. And but in the passing game. It turned out that last year was just a whole bunch of DeAndre Hopkins and Chase Edmonds, and they weren't getting many plays from anyone else. Um, they got better play from the offensive line. Kenyon Drake in the running game was steady, but not dynamic like he was in the second half of 2019. But this year's going to be interesting because, well, one, they upgraded the, the middle of the offensive line, upgrading from Mason Cole at center to Rodney Hudson, one of the best in the game, if not the best center in the game. Um, and say what you will about his production the last couple of years, but pairing A.J. Green with DeAndre Hopkins, I think, is go well, going to have a trickle-down effect because Hopkins is a clear number one. Green doesn't have to be a number one anymore. He's going to be their number two, and that's going to slide Christian Kirk to uh, – Christian Kirk, when he came out of the draft in 2018, everyone said that he was a slot guy. And the Cardinals said, no, he can make plays on the outside, and he's done that some. But now he's going to be primarily in the slot where – is probably his natural position. And and so it's going to – Green doesn't have to be at all pro that he was. And I don't think he's – and according to Steve Keim, their general manager, he, he still shows enough on tape that, that he can be great. Um, is he going to put up hop numbers? No, but as a number two, I think it's very reasonable to see him get 60 to 70 pass catches this year and, you know – 800 to 1,000 yards in, in a secondary role where no longer he's no longer the focal point of defenses, which will allow, you know, if they're going to double hop, guess what? A.J. Green in one-on-one -on -one coverage is going to look much better. And ideally, the quarterback play is going to be much better for him. Uh, I, think, I think he said it a couple of times. I think, what, 36 of the 100 and some odd targets that – uh, AJ had last year were uncatchable throws. Hmm. Oh, well, and that's going to come out that that's going to be so much on Murray. And so with Murray, 
one one other question. You 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 wrote a, you wrote an article talking about his proficiency on the three step drop. How he was the top quarterback in there, and with in that particular throw, him and Big he, Big Ben was right behind him. Uh, you also mentioned where he needed to improve, and and also, oh, oops, improvement not only in throw, you know, in throwing uh, throw other throws, but also kind of how how do you see the run pass mix uh, with uh, with Murray happening this year? Well. I think like you, you look at his passing production, you'd say he wasn't a prolific passer, but he was, he should have been a 4,000. He was mm -hmm. real close to being a 4,000 yard passer each of these last two years. Had he not gotten, had he not gotten hurt in the finale, almost certainly he would have cracked 4,000 yards. Um, and he's already got, I think two of the top 10 uh, passing yard, like, seasons passing yard seasons in cardinals history now that does part of that's because their quarterback history is pretty bad <laughs> and the nfl is in like the a four thousand yard season is almost a almost a baseline for decent quarterbacks now almost right um but i think you know the pace that they want to play with it can be pretty balanced it can be pretty balanced because well, I know part of that is Murray's legs make pass plays into run plays at times. Um, but I don't think the balance will change as much. Only it feels like this year they might lean more into that four wide set. They they already were our number one in, in 10 personnel. Um, but they might lean into that even a little bit more this year with an upgraded offensive line. They didn't really do anything at tight end. And now I think they really like the the four you're going to have hop you're going to green you're going to have christian kirk and then your number four could be rondell moore mm -hmm. they just drafted now you know andy isabella had that well last year it was fitz and then so you had hopkins kirk fitz in the on the, in the slot and then the fourth guy that would come in would be andy isabella at times and isabella hasn't been what they'd hoped he would be i think they still believe he can be i think rondell moore is already what they want Isabella to be in terms of a slot guy. They projected Isabella as a slot receiver. He didn't really play slot in college at UMass. Moore is already proficient at it. Um, mm -hmm. And he, and the, not only does he, he has top end speed, he runs angry. Like he's not a, he, he runs with an intent to score when he gets the ball. And so I, I think the slot play since it doesn't look like Larry Fitzgerald is coming back, I've felt for months he probably isn't coming back. Otherwise, he'd have been back. Right. Um, so now, instead of just a possession guy in the slot, you're going to have Kirk, and you're going to have Kirk and Moore, who are both better in space than Fitz was the last couple of years. And so you're going to have the potential for some more dynamic play. And now, in terms of how run pass. I don't think the balance will change much because that I mean that that balance is often determined by the outcome of a game and the Cardinals are a team where if they're winning they will run the ball and they did that last year Kenyon Drake was a great fourth quarter runner and it was and they used him to close out games a lot and I think that's kind of what they envisioned this year with Chase Edmonds and James Conner 
So, and how do you see that that split kind of happening? Is it is it going to be where Edmonds is kind of like that uh, that receiving back with occasional running, and then Connor more of the the banger? Or how, how do you? Because it really is that, those two are the clear cut run, runners for that. Team. Is one of the things to see how that goes because one thing we might say, like, you could could keep Edmonds in the role that he had. And you just slide Connor into the Drake role. Um, however, Edmonds knows that he's been given an opportunity. And I think the organization and has said for the last two years, they view him as a starting running back. They view him as a an every down guy. And so I think he's going to have the opportunity to do that. I believe at least early on, it will be the Chase Edmonds show with Connor coming in for to spell him mm-hmm. and to also um, for more obvious short yardage goal line and grinding out the clock type thing. Um, and I think Edmonds will, will get the bulk early. How that goes, I think will, will evolve if he, you know, if he shows the, the one thing that that's kind of the knock on him is, well, size wise. And, and I look at it, he's like, he's the same size as a lot of running backs in the league. And it's just, he's, he was banged up his last year of college. He got hurt the day, the game after in 2019, when he had his 26 carries. So is he, he got hurt the game after that. And then last year when he had his 20 plus carry game against, the Dolphins, he was a little dinged up after that. And so there's a little worry with his size, the durability with a he- heavier workload. Um, he'll refute that. He he understands that. So I think it's going to be the, the Chase Edmonds game early on. Uh, and I think he'll have more of a David Johnson type role when he was first there, where um, I think he'll be the bell cow, mostly, mostly. I, the case is... What we've seen from Cliff Kingsbury historically, he likes to have guy, he likes to have multiple running backs, but how he uses running backs is usually pretty exclusive. And I think that was an exception for Edmonds because he played himself into playing time. Even in 2019, they basically went from Dan, David Johnson to Kenyon Drake getting all the touches. Last year, Edmonds proved himself the year before and in training camp. And so even though Kenyon, they probably Kingsbury would have had Kenyon more as a every down back and, and would have used him more in the running and passing game. Edmonds was that good in practice. Edmonds did enough things that he had to play him. And so because Edmonds offers that extra versatility in the passing game, I think you're going to see him get the bulk of the touches, whether in the run game or the pass game. And honestly, I would really like to see more of the two back, not necessarily like two in the backfield, but um, to incorporate both. So it, it then becomes more, not 10 personnel, but 20 personnel. So you go with a three wide and two back where you have Edmonds um, start of the backfield or wind up wide or motion out. And so you could use Connor in the backfield and you still have Edmonds in the slot or as a receiver, you could in, or incorporate them both that way. I think that's going to create a lot of mismatches uh, and you don't know what to do because one, do you, you folk key in on the run game? Um, and if you put him up, so 
it, it's different. This is what Bruce Arians said. I, I, this is I'm kind of rambling on this, but a couple of yeah. years ago, Bruce Arians said the way the way he handled David Johnson is he did okay. Larry Fitzgerald's on one side. I'm going to put David Johnson on the other side of the field. Figure it out, defense, so they're not clogged up. And he has figure it out. Now you've already got that this year with Hopkins and Green. But then you add the so you can it doesn't matter where you have Chase because he showed last year he's he's really dynamic. I mean, he was arguably the most dynamic like outside of Kyler Murray. Now Hopkins was great, but in terms of dynamics, when the ball was in his hand, Chase Evans might have been the most dynamic player with the ball in his hands after Kyler Murray last year. Well, that's uh, well, that's good to hear because uh, I have him on a team that's uh, on a dynasty team that's going to be key, uh, that the thing well that's going to the thing is going to be hard this year in terms of fantasy is Kyler Murray around the goal line makes it hard to count on a running like to have him as your as to count him for lots of touchdowns and then the addition of James Conner who's your bigger between the tackles guy for short yardage and so is he going to have is Edmonds going to have a big touchdown year like we saw from David Johnson or even Kenyon Drake a couple even last year you might not get as much touchdown production as you want simply because they'll have other options and you know having a running quarterback because he Kyler was used a ton around the goal line as well. He did. And then, yeah, there were times where he just looked like, I mean, he was on a different speed when he was down on, when he was down near the goal line. So oh, like, it was, I would hate to like, there were players in position to make the tackle. And he just went, Yoop! and <laughs> that, that's incredible. Well, I was going to get into the, uh, I had the receiver set up for this point, but I, I feel like we already covered that group unless there's any, uh, I mean, I mean, as you mentioned, it's going to be Hopkins and and Green, with possibly Moore and Kirk, uh, kind of kind of mixing mixing in. Uh, I mean, there's not any. I don't think there's any room for any sleepers out of there. Um, and and actually, not a lot of room for the tight ends to get any production. <laughs> don't worry about the tight ends. <laughs> one, one, they don't use like they're used in the running game. Two, like when people were talking about Dan Arnold last year as being a sleeper guy to. Now, he did have a couple of nice games against the Rams, mm -hmm. but people were talking about him putting up big numbers. I, like as 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 exciting as Dan Arnold was as a pass catcher, as with speed and length and and ball skills, the logistics said there just won't be enough balls thrown his way. And I said, if you were if you got if he gets thirty five catches, that's about the max he could possibly get. He ended up with thirty one and I think five or six touchdowns, and that's. That's about the max. I think that's about the max production you're going to get out of a tight end in this offense. Um, max Williams. Well, one, he's got to stay healthy. Last year was mm -hmm. was really rough, but he came out of college as as you know who could have been a nice receiving threat. But he'll be good for about twenty catches if he's healthy all year. They literally have no one else on the roster that you can count on. Like Darrell Daniels, if anyone's heard of Darrell Daniels outside of Arizona, I'm I'm proud of you, because <laughs> I don't know why you would. And then they've got a bunch of guys. Um, now they they just signed a guy named Ross Travis. I never heard of him. He started some in the NFL. And then a bunch of guys. We've Ian Bunting, probably no one's heard of him. They there's they've got a German an Austrian dude, Bernhard Zygovitz, 
who's on the, but he probably won't make the roster. He's in through the NFL uh, player pathway program. A couple of undrafted guys, Carrie Angeline out of NC State, Bruno Lavelle, uh, I think was Cincinnati, comes out of Canada. But the Cardinals just aren't going to use the pass, the tight ends, except sparingly in the passing game. You'll see, you'll see something in a surprise. There's a pass to the tight end, and it'll be a big play. But if you're, you can't count on even someone who plays a lot like Max Williams, you can't count on him getting more than 15 to 20 catches a year. So, you know, one of the things I'd like to ask about is the offensive line uh, with everybody. And the, the, t- the team has definitely made some upgrades. I believe they finished the season, I think it was number 12, according to PFF grades. Um, and how different is it at, to be blocking as a unit when you've got a mobile quarterback? like Murray and uh, how, you know, how effective were these guys and can they, can they improve? Well, their tackle play was fantastic last year. DJ Humphreys was great. He probably should have been a pro bowler, but it's really hard to be an NFC pro bowler when you've got Trent Williams and David Bakhtiari in the same conference as you who have been playing at that level for years. And were they better? Was DJ better than either of those two guys last year? Probably not. Um, but he played at a Pro Bowl level. Kelvin Beecham on the right side was fantastic. Um, steady. Um, they got inconsistent play from the interior. And I think that's where sometimes Murray would get a little bit worried about the pressure up the middle. Justin Pugh's been solid. Um, Mason Cole was was very inconsistent last year. And J.R. Sweezy was not good last year, and they ended up benching him in favor of Justin Murray. So there's a clear upgrade. At center, you've got one of the best in the game in Rodney Hudson, both in pass pro as a run block. Like, he is great. long as he stays healthy. He's got no durability problems in his, but as long as he stays healthy, that is going to anchor that line. So now you've got great – you've got good to great play at three different positions. You get – an average to above average player in Justin Pugh at left guard. And now the right, the right guard position, we don't know exactly what they've, they've got about. So they added Brian Winters, not that he's anything, especially started a ton in the league. He's the one thing that he adds, he has a tough mentality, but he's not great. He's, he's a serviceable guard in this league. Um, veteran. Justin Murray, who who started, I think, seven games last year at guard and 12 games at right tackle in 2019, he's adequate. The team is comfortable with him. I wouldn't call him necessarily good. You're going to get it bet average play from him. Uh, Josh Jones, their third-round pick mm. last year, is going to be in the mix this year at guard somehow. Um, left tackle for four years at Houston. The He worked at right tackle all last year in practice and this offseason, and I, I think in part – it's um, a push to try and get him to play because he's not going to play. He's not going to start at either tackle spot. The potential is, hey, how can we potentially get him in the lineup? And so he's got the, he's going to be in the mix at right guard. I think if the organization, if things went right, he would be the guy to win the job. And then you've got Max Barcia, who's who is a starter at guard at, in Denver and has been on the bench the last two seasons. Um, no Sean Kugler, the offensive line coach, but he's steady. He can play both. He can play all three interior positions. So you get great play from three spots, and then you get adequate to above average play from your guard positions. And what you're going to have is, a, your, I think, the run game 
will then become dynamic, especially when you have the big playability of, of Chase Edmonds, uh, the tough running from James Conner. You've really, you've really covered ever. So they've got someone who can make plays inside and out in Edmonds. You've got Conner, who's a bigger back uh, in Conner. And then you add Kyler Murray's legs. And then you added, you upgraded the receiving core, which should allow Murray to make more plays with his arms. This offense, I'm like, let's be honest, it should be a top, I'm not saying number one offense, it should be a top five offense in yards and points this year. If if the plan comes together, the, on paper, it looks fantastic, and it should be. This should be a top five team in scoring and in point in, in terms of yards and, and scoring this year across the board because, you know, Murray should be better. The running back position is at least as good as it was last year. The offensive line is unquestionably better than it was last year. The receiving core is unquestionably better in talent than it was last year. And the tight ends are the tight ends. And so they were already trending as a top offensive team. for. They were humming on offense for a good portion of the year. So if everything goes the way it's supposed to be, barring a major injury, this is an offense that's going to be that should be pretty unstoppable. Um, I think I know people in fantasy are definitely looking forward to it so much. Uh, I always I always like to ask a question about the defense overall. Uh, you know, last few years the the Cardinals are a defense that people have targeted, especially in the passing game. Uh, but I, you know, it seems like some of the moves. I mean, obviously there was so much of the draft was dedicated to the defensive side of the ball, M multiple, uh, multiple players in the secondary, the Zayvon Collins also, you had Isaiah Simmons the year before Malcolm Butler comes in, you know, you have Vance Joseph who has a great reputation as, uh, as a defensive coordinator, how I, I, this, at least on paper, this, and let's not forget a future hall of famer, JJ Watt and, and Chandler Jones is also one of the best pass rushers when he's healthy this could this be again the using the caveat if everyone stays healthy could this be a, uh, a defense that takes a big step up it really could now now they took a big step last year because in 2019 their defense was bad especially muy the, past malo, muy malo. <laughs> the, the past defense in 2019 was atrocious a historically bad now um, one of the numbers, not, it's not the end all be all, but their opposing quarterback rating was over 109 uh, in 2019. Now, oh, yeah. for, for oh, yeah. you know, passer rating, one on, essentially, they made every quarterback on average look like a Hall of Famer or have a <laughs> career year um, over the course of the season. They gave, I think, 30 touchdown passes. They gave up one of the, they had, they, they were last or dead, second to last in almost every passing category in 2019. And in fairness, they were missing their top. So they lost Patrick Peterson for the first six games of the year. Um, oh, yeah. Um, they didn't have Robert Alpha, who was going to be their number two, and then who was supposed to be their number one uh, while Patrick was out. And so you were left starting. These are your starting cornerbacks, Tremaine Brock and Byron Murphy, who was a rookie. Um, add to that. They were playing Hassan Reddick at inside linebacker still. Where ultimately, we did, you know, I would say what you want about the Hassan Reddick experiment. Literally, everyone in the NFL pegged him to play off the ball. Okay. So it wasn't like the Cardinals put him in the wrong spot. 
everyone would have put him in the wrong spot because of his size at what, 6'1", 235. You, it's not the size of a guy who's going to survive on the edge. When he moved to the edge, he was great last year. And we'll see what happens with Carolina on a full-time basis. Um, but they just had, they were, their, their defense was put together poorly uh, in 2019 because of personnel and, and circumstances. Last year, even though the defense wasn't great, you look at the passing numbers. I think they were, I don't remember off the top of my head, but they were near, they were in top 10 in pass defense for most of the year, if not finishing there. And where they really, they did well against the D pass. They didn't have like, they had adequate corner play. Patrick Peterson last year wasn't great. He had great moments, but his bad was bad. Drake Kirkpatrick was at best adequate, but schematically their defensive backfield in terms of the past, they were good last year and, but they did kind of get picked apart in the short passing game, running backs in, in particular in the passing game beat them. They were not nearly as bad as in years past against tight ends, but they were vulnerable in the middle of the field, which, which leads us to this year. So their defensive line last year, only one player didn't end up on injured, injured reserve. Only right. one. So pretty much everyone they counted on to do something got hurt last year. Um, Chandler Jones was lost for most of the season. Uh, Hassan Reddick was great. Um, De Devon Kennard as well missed, missed some time and had his job basically taken by, by Marcus Golden. Jordan Hicks, he was great in 2019. He was at best adequate. He looked slow. Um, and so we look at what they did this year defensively. So they have their defensive line healthy. They added JJ Watt. So you can't say, you can't say that they're not better. JJ Watt makes that group better. So they brought back, they brought back Marcus Golden, Chandler Jones comes back. So the edge presence should be better. And you're going to even add, likely add Watt to the edge on passing downs. They now have Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collis slated to play every down in the middle of the defense and better might not necessarily be the case, but definitely more athletic, very athletic, very long, very athletic can make plays. And at safety, you still have a, an all pro in Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson missed most of last year that they really like. And then at corner, I don't think they got worse. I don't think Mike Malcolm Butler's any worse than Patrick Peterson and probably a slight upgrade overall. I think his floor is much higher than what Pat's was last year, even if his ceiling isn't as high as Pat on a good day. Um, they, I think Byron Murphy is going to be really good this year. He's going to primarily play in the slot, but I think he might be their best corner coming into this year. They added, well, Robert Alfred's back, Darquist Denard. They drafted a couple of cornerbacks. So I, I don't think they stepped back. So their defensive line is better. Their inside backers are more athletic. Their edge is better because Jones comes back. And then the secondary, I think, is a wash at least. If they're healthy, this team, this team, I, I don't expect them to be like 1985 Bears or 2000 Ravens or anything like that. But it's a unit that could be a top 10 unit. This is a team, even though it's not logical to in the offseason pick them over any of the NFC other NFC West teams mm -hmm. 
based on what we know about the NFC West, I mean, the Rams, who were great last year, got better at quarterback. I think they're the favorite. Seattle, you can't ever count them out because of Russell Wilson. San Francisco was just a year removed from the Super Bowl and suffered basically every injury you could think of. And then you've got the Cardinals. But if the Cardinals have everything go, like, if everything goes as planned, that's going to be a fantastic team if it all comes together. They, that's a team that might, like, everything goes well, shouldn't have any weaknesses, ideally. Oh, man. You, you got me fired up. I mean, as, as someone who grew <laughs> up watching the NFC West, I mean, I, I, it's clearly that's the best division in the NFL. And it, Top I think to it's bottom, just going to be clearly. Yeah. Back half of the season, it's just going to be dogfights every week. It's going to be so much fun. It's going to be so much fun. Well, uh, Senor Jess, I have one more question. It's a fun one. Uh, you live in Arizona, as you mentioned. And so uh, I've spent a few spring trainings there. I've had my fair share of, uh, of good food out there. Um, I always ask, what are your favorite tacos? Your, ta your favorite taco fillings? And if there's any place you want to give a shout out, feel free. Oh, on like... I like almost anything on tacos. There's no bad taco. <laughs> muy bien, no muy bad, bien. <laughs> There's no such thing as a bad taco. Me encanta. Um, so, do you have a top three? On, uh, honestly, well, I like everything. That's the thing. I'm not muy picky bien. at all. So, um, you can go more authentic. Lengua tacos are fantastic. Uh, but there's actually a place out here on the east side in Gilbert. It's not super Mexican but it's a taco place called Rusty Tacos out here in Gilbert. Um, and they have all sorts. So you can get shrimp, you can get fish. Uh, one of my favorites called the downtown and it's a, and they use a fried chicken tenders with honey and chipotle and uh, honey sriracha, honey sriracha. And it is, it's great. I mean, they've got, it's, they have like, 15 different tacos on the menu. I go and I get like four different types of tacos because I can't pick just one. Um, <laughs> and and my wife likes it too. She's much more picky than I am. And so that's, uh, that is, uh, but honestly, like here at home, I will make a traditional ground beef taco. I'll use tilapia for fish tacos. I will do some, I'll do some chicken as well um i even well technically it's not birria because it's not goat but they there you say beef birria i made myself some once as well um machaca i can't you know what sign me up for all the tacos oh muy bien. sign me up for the all the tacos here's the thing i don't like i will say um even though we go to like the del taco and taco bell um give me a traditional corn tortilla like a street taco instead of the shells and you can almost put anything on it and i'll eat it and i don't think it's good yeah it's got to be the it, it's got to be the soft corn tortilla you know yes it's, just, it's uh, yeah no no hard shells no well the only way that the only way the hard shell is if it's dorado if it's if it if it's uh kind of the deep fried which is uh right but it starts it's it's not a it's not those store-bought shell type yeah. things it's not the crunchy shells it's a it's a yes. corn tortilla that turned into something you fried hard yes exactly exactly oh man you got me hungry it's uh <laughs> it's it's i'm glad i'm glad it's past lunchtime. it's early early dinner taco <laughs> snack time 
Well, I had breakfast a little late, so I'm having lunch after this. So it's perfect timing. So, mi buen amigo, Senor Jess, thank you so much. Uh, everybody, eso es todo for our show. Uh, thanks again to Anchor for being our hosting network and making sure independent podcast gets out to the familia community. Also, thanks to YouTube for letting us to see Jess's face and uh, to be able to interact this way across several hundred miles. Uh, please make sure you subscribe wherever ever you get your podcasts or on YouTube and also find our original content at familyffb.com. Jess, where can they find you? Easiest place is our Cardinals content at cardswire.com. On Twitter, I'm Senor Jess Root. Obviously, it's not with the tilde. It's just a regular end, Senor Jess Root. And then you can find the podcast, Rise Up Sea Red, if you like listeners on the Cardinals content or even sometimes you can find that anywhere where podcasts are distributed. Well, I know the I know the fantasy footballers down in Phoenix are uh, should be listening to you because they're huge Cardinal fans. So uh, everybody, you can find me at Jorge Martin seventeen. You can also find our Instagram at, Jorge, at Familia FFB, and don't forget our Familia FFB Facebook page. Otra vez, Jess, gracias so much, gracias so much, and everybody remember, todos somos familia.